Welcome, my friends, to the 2QB Experience Podcast. My name is Greg Smith, and I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at GregSauce. This is episode 88 of the 2QB XP and the eighth installment of the Two-A-Day series. Each one of these episodes in the series is going to feature two guests, typically pairing analysts together from the same fantasy site or with some other sort of connection in the community. And in the case of today, that connection is spicy fish, or spicy chicken, apparently. My goal is to share with you uh, a wide variety of unique takes on the quarterback position and quarterback draft strategy for all sorts of different formats. And today we're going to dive deep into Dynasty and a little bit of auction talk, too. 2QBs.com is dedicated to two quarterback leagues, but we want to be your home for all things quarterback, and we understand that not everybody plays the same way. So we want to embrace that and get a bunch of different voices talking about their own experiences with these various formats. Uh, so from guest to guest, I'm going to you know cover all sorts of stuff. 2QB, 1QB, Redraft Dynasty, and on down the line. Today's first guest is Travis May of Dynasty League Football and the Dynasty Life Podcast. We're going to discuss the variability of quarterback value between different owners and leagues, plus the intersections of 2QB Dynasty with Devi and also with IDP. Today's second guest is John Bosch of Dynasty Game Night and the Dynasty Wall Street Podcast. We're going to talk about trading in 2QB Dynasty formats, how he factors age into his quarterback valuations, and his strategy for auctions. But before we get to our guests, I want to remind you that the 2QBs.com 2018 draft guide is now available. This draft guide is dedicated to two quarterback and super flex leagues. Visit 2QBs.com, T-W-O-Q-B-S.com to see everything that the guide has to offer. And because this is a Dynasty-centric episode, I want to promote the draft guide's article by Jeff Miller. He relates his experience with two quarterback Dynasty formats, advising how to approach the QB position in startups, and he gets into the idea of valuing passers by archetypes instead of rankings or tiers. Jeff's Dynasty Deep Dive is only the beginning. The guide features 221 digital pages of content from all sorts of great analysts from around the fantasy world, and 10% of each sale is going to go to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. To get your copy and dominate your two quarterback leagues, head over to 2QBs.com. Once again, that's T-W-O-Q-B-S.com, and order your copy today. Use the coupon code DYNASTY, D-Y-NASTY, to get 10% off. Make sure you click proceed to checkout before entering the coupon code. If you try to enter it on the cart screen, it's not going to work. So make sure you proceed to checkout before you use that code, Dynasty. Now, let's get to our guests. I'd like to welcome in Travis May of Dynasty League Football and the Dynasty Life Podcast. Travis, first time on the 2QB XP, man. It's good to have you on. How are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, glad to jump on any podcast that's talking about uh, two quarterbacks, super flex type coverage and you know, on the Dynasty Life podcast, we'll talk about that some and kind of slip that in. And I think we've maybe dedicated one full episode to the format and really talking about the intricacies there. But there's really not a ton out there that really focus on it. So anytime I get the opportunity to talk about the format in which more than half of my Dynasty Leagues are focused, <laughs> and uh, that's just a great thing. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's, it's great. We're going to dive a lot into the Dynasty stuff in this show with you and with the other guests, John Bosch. And let's let's do it right now, man. What is the biggest quarterback evaluation takeaway that you've gained through your work uh, on at Dynasty League Football and on the Dynasty Life pod? I think the biggest takeaway about the position in general uh, across fantasy football, uh, regardless of format, is that no one agrees on how to value the position. Not even... Not even in one quarterback leagues. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it depends on how, who you play with. But, I mean, 
I, I have people that ask me questions all the time about different formats. And I have one guy who has a 16 team quarterback league and he asks me quite more questions than just about anybody else. And, uh, he always asks me about this league and he, he thinks it's hilarious because everyone in his league, you know, in, in rookie drafts, they'll be taking, and this is one quarterback, mind you, and they'll be taking the quarterbacks at like the top three or four picks, which is something I would never do in a single quarterback league. But then, in a two quarterback league, you, you might have somebody, you know, taking all the quarterbacks at the very beginning, or they might wait, you know, you know, near the end of the round one in rookie drafts, or even in a startup, uh, you know, quarterbacks might not go until round two, or they might take up half the first round. And it really just depends on who you're playing with. And so understanding your league mates is a huge part to finding success in any league, but definitely super flex leagues because understanding to the fullest extent that you can uh, all of your league mates and how they value quarterbacks can allow you to find different value gaps and creating value for yourself and how you perceive your team uh so i mean two, two qbs is just the way to go more than half my leagues are super flex and so i like that because it adds another layer of strategy it, it, it equalizes yet another position Adding value to any other position is huge, but just that no one, no one can agree. And I think that's great. I, I think that's especially true in Dynasty, too, where you have those folks who just, you know, go to war with the boring veterans every year. But then those other people like you talked about who are chasing after those rookies year after year. And I'm, I'm curious, what was your approach to, you know, your rookie drafts this year in Dynasty, specifically for the quarterback position? Like, how did you value those top guys? And how early were you willing to take them in, say, a one QB Dynasty League versus a, a two QB or Superflex Dynasty League? Yeah, I think my my uh, interest in the quarterback position, now that more of my leagues are super flex, I think in some ways I let that infiltrate my values a little bit too much mm -hmm. <laughs> in yep. one quarterbacks, uh, one quarterback leagues, because I find myself, I, I get to the middle of round two, just about every year, but this year specifically, middle of round two, and I'm like, there's just no way I'm going to take this fourth round, this even late third round player over this first overall pick in Baker Mayfield or the the quarterback that I really like in, in Josh Rosen who I think might be the best and most pro-ready quarterback in this class and so it's just how do I take somebody even though you know I want to go for the upside play uh, it's really hard for me to ever in any class especially one with this many good quarterbacks in it to get past the middle of round two in a one quarterback league uh, without selecting them so in those leagues I mean you know, I get down to around Anthony Miller and Michael Gallup and, and somewhere around there. And I'm, I'm debating depending on even team need. And I don't like doing that all the time, but debate, deb <laughs> debating based on team need, uh, should I take the Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or swing for the fences with the Lamar Jackson at the end of round two? But with super flex leagues, I found that um, it was really hard this year, even though there were several quarterbacks. I thought I entered in this this draft season posturing myself moving into positions thinking okay one of the quarterbacks is going to drop to me here and you know the late first i can still get a lamar jackson i can still get uh, a sam Darnold. i can still get even maybe you know just just somebody just drops through because the, you know there were several decent, sure. decent options uh, but i found that the, the hype was just over the top i think that uh, there were in a lot of my leagues there were people that really believed 
and the adjusted numbers for Baker Mayfield and his adjusted accuracy, his metrics, and maybe they, they got past the height okay. With Josh Rosen, I thought people would uh, be a little bit um, – less invested since he dropped a little bit in the draft but no he was still gone by the halfway down the first round in superflex drafts and so i was left maybe with lamar jackson maybe with sam darnold at the end of round one and so um i found myself uh trying to reach a little bit trying to trade up at times uh, to get one of those guys and just missed so I have fewer quarterback shares in this rookie class than maybe ever. I mean, last year I had about five or six Mitchell Trubisky shares, and uh, I don't have multiple shares of any quarterback. <laughs> and that's, that feels dirty for me. I just couldn't do it, and uh, I think people were in love with this class, and that happens sometimes. But I just try to find where the value is, and I don't really like to try to trade up and lose a bunch of value um like i did try to in a couple <laughs> spots but yeah so it's just surprising you can posture yourself in some ways and set yourself up to think you have the edge and think you're in the right spots but you're really not <laughs> in many cases yeah that makes a lot of sense now i know you're into devi as well and for you know maybe the people who aren't familiar with that can you explain what devi is and then maybe explain how that impacts your evaluation of these guys for for when it is time for these guys to enter the NFL and um, maybe even how your Devi viewpoints affect your approach to quarterbacks in redraft. Yeah, certainly. So I, I love Devi leagues. So first off, Devi leagues are the best format ever. They're just amazing. <laughs> they're a lot of fun. Uh, they basically, they're developmental. So you can, before players are even, you know, draft eligible and going into the draft season, you know, they're not rookies yet. They're, they're, freshmen, sophomores, juniors in college, you can actually uh, draft these players to be on your fantasy football team. And yes, they have to sit there on your taxi squad, or yes, they have to sit there and take a roster spot or whatever it may be for a year or two or three, if you really like investing in freshmen, which I don't. But you know, you, you get to watch these players develop and it gives you another reason to be more invested in the college game and uh, get more excited uh, about seeing these players and, and maybe one day being on your team. Uh, and when they really hit, that that's what's amazing. That I mean, like being way ahead of the game and loving watching Juju Smith-Schuster succeed as a freshman, mm -hmm. well, you know, enjoying the, the Dalvin Cooks taking off as a freshman, even way back in the day backing up Carlos Williams <laughs> at Florida State. And, and from that point on, like seeing them develop and grow and, and then hit. I mean, it's just a, an amazing uh, fun experience. And so with quarterbacks, you do the same, but it's really difficult because there are so few good quarterbacks in the college game. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, there are some that can put up stats, but really evaluating a, a quarterback for what they can do in the pros, that's that's where it gets difficult. And so you mentioned Rosen as a QB that you like more than most, and he did slide in the draft. And I feel like he's kind of slid down fantasy value for a lot of rankers and you know people who, who care about fantasy football was your experience with him as a Debbie prospect what leads you to still like him now like were you into Josh Rosen three years ago like how did that play out for you specific to Josh Rosen I was probably a little bit biased for a long time you know I think you you see what he could do as a you know as a freshman way back in 2015 kind of hitting the ground running you know in, in college anytime you can 
get 3,500 yards passing. That's like the, the 4,000 yards passing in the NFL because you have fewer games. And um, he just kind of blew it up as, as a freshman. Didn't, uh, you know, uh, he wasn't perfect by any means. But there were there were a lot of things that he did he did well that most freshmen shouldn't be doing well. I mean, he was a highly touted recruit. I mean, even dating back to high school. So I mean, if you play W leagues, you're kind of aware of you know the top five to ten, and depending on how deep you go, uh, fifteen, twenty quarterbacks in any recruiting class. And he's you know from the beginning of it, he was a name that was in the, the discussion. So I was aware of him, you know, way back in 2015 when he was just hitting the ground early in his freshman year. And so I think when you're invested in it and you, you see a player succeed, you you get more time to actually watch the player. Um, you have three off-seasons to kind of go back and maybe watch three of his games. Uh, I think you get a better look because a lot of people in Dynasty, um, even the ones who plan really far ahead by Dynasty standards or even by redraft standards, you know, they'll wait till – November, December, I guess, uh, the year before they, they're going to be drafted to really start diving in. And uh, if you play Debbie, you probably, if, if he was a highly touted recruit, you'd probably been watching player for three years already. And so it's like, yeah, Josh Rosen's good. I, why are we not? Why are we? Why are we? <laughs> <laughs> why are we talking about this? Like this is this is news. And, and not not to like come off and sound like I know everything. It's just like when you you just watch and you're around it and. Uh, you're already aware of it. Um, you, you know, you can see through some of the noise that's just somebody way overthinking things. Uh, you know, he dropped to pick 10. Oh, no. Uh, that, now, that Still means pretty he's high. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, freak out more. And, and the dude is a legit prospect. So, yeah, just seeing through the noise, it's really a lot easier if you play Debbie Leagues for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's – Juju Smith-Schuster is another good example of that, right? Like he kind of – fell after his his last year in college but you know if you look to the year that he had prior like he was a player who you know had flashed that potential and you know it, yeah. it shouldn't have come as much of a surprise that he kind of broke out in his rookie year but um just real quick before we move on give the listeners a couple quick hits on recommendations for where they can go you know on the interwebs to uh, learn more about Devi and maybe do some research if they want to like really dive in and get deep with it so I have to self self promote right away, uh, obviously. Yeah. But I, I this summer uh, I've been doing a little Debbie preview for all the Power Five conferences. I my SEC version has already dropped, and my uh, Big Ten's coming out. Uh, I'm going to cover you know ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, and then even doing like a top 100 2019 rookies piece all over at Dynasty League Football, trying to get more people excited way ahead of the, the game. You know, just get one more step ahead of all your league mates. You know, just understand one more player than your league mates do, uh, and you'll find yourself in a way better position next year. Um, and, and you'll have a lot of fun doing it. So uh, that's that's what I always recommend. But definitely check out my stuff at Dynasty League Football. But uh, other resources that are fantastic, I mean, the, the Debbie Report. Uh, that Nick Whalen just dropped here recently is is an amazing resource. I've used it probably just about every year that I've played Debbie. The the Orange Report that uh, Ghost, who also contributes at Dynasty League Football, is great. Uh, Debbie Watch, which uh, the Dynasty Football Factory guys put together, lot, lots of great great minds putting that one document together. And we're actually at Dynasty League Football putting together a pretty epic do- document for. Uh, next year as well so we'll have something um to to get excited about probably next spring for those that want to try out Debbie and are interested in college football awesome yeah man um i noticed you also cover idp 
for dynasty league yeah. football. Mm-hmm. Do you do any of your two quarterback dynasty leagues incorporate individual defensive players? And how does the combination of those two formats impact your strategy? You know, IDP plus two QB. Yeah, that's another fantastic format. Having defensive players in the game is a lot of fun. Uh, until last year, yes, I had one of my leagues that had super flex. And it was well, actually you actually had to, it was two two quarterback uh, and full IDP. Like you had a defensive tackle, you had defensive linemen, you had linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties. Every you know, not just position groups. It's like every single position you had to start, and so that made it interesting. Uh, because you know linebackers are kind of the key in in IDP and but you would see you know stud linebackers go for quarterbacks that uh, were not you know not even top five six seven quarterbacks and so that that would be a little weird and <laughs> took a little bit of uh, getting used to um, because you don't want to move the Quan Alexanders or Bobby Wagners and the, you know the stud playmaking middle linebacker types for quarterbacks in one quarterback leagues but in two you see a lot of weird trades happen. So, <laughs> yeah. What's the weirdest trade you think you've ever seen in that sort of format? Can anything oh come to gosh. mind? Um, well, I, I think I, I can't remember all the moving piece, pieces, but there was one deal. doesn't seem as crazy now that Luke Keekley's had uh, some concussions. But, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago or so when Keekley was just perceived to be the god of all linebackers, you know, and, and he's still amazing. But Tackling machine, yeah. Yes, crazy, crazy talent. Uh, he was in a deal that involved like Philip Rivers and uh, a bunch of garbage, basically. <laughs> I was just like, you know, it was one of those deals where you look at it, there are like seven pieces involved in one side of the trade and like one garbage pick, and then Luke Keekley and then some other pieces that were okay. And I just remember thinking, man, I, I hate that he pulled that trade off. I wish I would have done the same. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's just it's it's weird where in a normal league where you know your stud IDPs you just they're basically untouchable uh, a guy who's continuously undervalued in Philip Rivers and Superflex leagues has a, a ton more value uh, so that just I think that probably happened yeah almost almost two years ago and I'd only been playing that particular Superflex IDP for a couple of years and I was like man that's ugh, I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just know. it just goes to show. I mean, the shelf life of Philip Rivers, even though he was probably you know, even con- even then considered old, you know, yeah. for for yep. where he was in his career, totally. These quarterbacks just have a much longer shelf life than the guys who are like routinely running into each other down in the trenches, like yeah. Keekly. And I mean, that's something the NFL needs to address, of course. But um, yeah, for fantasy, that that makes for some interesting trades, that's for sure. Um, R- Rivers is undervalued basically every year, but is he? the most undervalued quarterback to you this year? If not, who is? I think uh, until he retires, Phillip Rivers is going to be the most <laughs> the most undervalued quarterback in, in the NFL. I think for probably five-plus years almost. I mean, maybe there was one season in there where he kind of had a reasonable average draft position, even for one quarterback standards. But he's just been continuously – valued as some streaming commodity, but all he does is throw 30 touchdowns in a season every single year. Uh, so his his upside is decent. It's probably not, uh, you know, your Aaron Rodgers 
upside with uh, through the air or you know your Drew Brees of a couple years ago and your Tom Brady's it's not your Cam Newton's with the rushing it's not that same insane ceiling but if you need your consistent points and you need the touchdown upside to to not win you weeks by himself but to to clearly you know be a solid quarterback one in many cases uh, he's just there a lot and he's 30 36 years old and he's still doing it with bad players a lot of the time he'll be missing well now he's going to be missing Antonio Gates but you know even before he's basically working with a 1000 year old Tony Antonio Gates <laughs> and and he'll be without you know Keenan and still find a way uh so he's just until he retires he's going to be the most undervalued guy <laughs> for me who do you think is the most overvalued quarterback right now uh, I think the easy go-to answer um, for a lot of people, I've, because I've seen this happening a lot, is, is Deshaun Watson. And I, I, I kind of agree. I love Deshaun Watson. I love, loved him coming into the draft process, and uh, I grabbed him a lot of a lot of places in Superflex leagues because people wanted Mahomes over him, and uh, maybe that's going to make sense soon. But you know, he's not going to see a nine percent touchdown rate this year, which is what he had in his stint last year. That's just not repeatable. And I think I've probably said that on a couple of different podcasts, but. I mean, when when a quarterback has a really really good season, uh, he'll hit like seven percent touchdown percentage in terms of his percentage of his throws that go for touchdowns. And and Deshaun was throwing almost one out of every ten throws into the end zone. Like that's that's not going to happen. So if, even for re, for redraft for dynasty, he's probably overvalued. But it hurts me to say that. So I'll say something more more controversial. Uh, and I'm going to say that it's Aaron Rodgers is the most Ooh, overvalued quarterback. Like and, and that, yeah, that's going to hurt some people's ears uh, to hear that <laughs> uh, for sure. And it's not that I, I don't like Aaron Rodgers, but, but for Dynasty, um, if you look at the other quarterbacks that are you know making up the top 12, with the exception of the GOAT and Tom Brady, I hate to say that and it hurts me. I don't like the Patriots at all. But he's quarterback 11 and he's, he's old. He's about to be done. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, an old man among a, a bunch of young guys in, in, in Dynasty. If we value um, age at all, I and mean, if we value uh, having players on our, our rosters for a long time, uh, it's it's weird looking at Aaron Rodgers and and saying that he is definitively, you know, two or three rounds, four rounds more valuable in terms of startup value and and, and really trade value than guys like. Cam Newton, guys like Russell Wilson. I mean, he's still almost like got a round and a half right now on ADP at Dynasty League Football on, on Russell Wilson. Uh, and Russell Wilson has been fantastic. And Russ, and he's got five more years probably to play in the NFL. And even even guys like Matt Matt Stafford, who, who's perennial under perennially under ugh, undervalued as well. He's quarterback eight, and he's like almost a hundred picks later like in terms of startup pick value and really in how I see him go in auctions, it doesn't really matter what format you play in. Like you could almost trade two starting quarterbacks for Aaron Rodgers in most of my leagues. And that, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, so that's, and it's not like I don't like him again. He's going to be a stud as long as he plays, I feel like, but uh, what he's going for in everywhere that I see, it's too much. Yeah, I mean, in general, quarterbacks are overvalued. So it makes sense that the quarterback who is ranked the highest is overvalued to some extent. Now, I don't know if he's the yeah. most overvalued because you're right. Like, he is very, very good. We know that. But 
Anyway, I, ho- I hope too many people didn't turn off the podcast because they're just in <laughs> anger at your take there. But um, yeah, because then they wouldn't know who you think is the toughest quarterback to evaluate. Who's that guy for you right now? Oh man, the, the toughest quarterback to evaluate uh, right now is probably. I, I I thought I was I was certain that he was just really easy a cinch, uh, but I think Kirk Cousins right now for me, uh, for the first time really changing. Uh, systems and going into a situation where it looks really enticing. He's got two solid wide receivers. He's got a decent tight end. He's got a, a nice running back in Dalvin Cook. He's got everything looks like it's better. And so I want to go all in with with Kirk Cousins and just say, you know what? Screw it. He's got three years guaranteed. That, that that's about as safe as you can get in Dynasty anyway. And he's got all these weapons. I want to I want to go all in on on Kirk Cousins because I you know I like him and he's been on a few of my teams and. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, man, I could totally trade him right now <laughs> because because everything looks so perfect. Um, and so I'm just conflicted. I think I, I want to believe that everything's going to go right. But if one domino falls out of order and, and he starts to struggle, maybe he, this new system doesn't really fit with who he is as a player. What, is it, what, is it, what does it look like for his value? So I think my evaluation of a player, I believe in him. But my evaluation of, of whether I should sell or not right now, because I own a lot of him, that's where it gets tough. Will you look to sell maybe just some shares and kind of diversify your you know quarterback exposure, for lack of a better word? Like because you have so much Cousins and because this is the peak of his value, will, will you actually almost force yourself to trade him in maybe one or two leagues just to just in case it does kind of blow up like you're thinking it might? Um, you know, if I have a lot of a player like that, I'm I'm open to it. I don't I don't have to, but I am I generally try to pay attention to those situations where it just seems too good to be true because it's probably probably is one injury. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, I, one injury away, one you know offensive coordinator change away, one you know whatever away from ruining everything. So yeah, I'll I'll pay attention and start moving a couple if I can, and really just from a diversification standpoint, I don't necessarily like having more than 33 percent ownership in any of my leagues in any form out of any kind um just because i like having some options uh you know when you have an injury like david johnson last year you know if you have 14 dynasty leagues and you have david johnson in nine of them well pack it up see you <laughs> next year and and uh which is funny because one of my leagues where that happened i end up winning anyway which is just a miracle but it's just it's frustrating when you have that kind of overexposure so i I try not to, you know, have too much of a, a good thing. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Um, we we talked about rookie drafts earlier and kind of how you approach the quarterback position this year. Let's talk about startup drafts because that's something I don't really get to very often on this show. Where do you tend to jump in at the quarterback position in a startup? And let's start with a one quarterback league, and then maybe after that, give us your take for two quarterback formats. Yeah, so with uh, with one quarterback, uh, most of the time, I, I will make an exception every once in a while if the value drops, even on an Aaron Rodgers. I did this just last year, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. last year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, even though I just called him most overvalued, bear with me, uh, I, I will you know, take him if the value is right. I think I took him around six or seven because he just no one wanted a quarterback. Everyone switched to late-round quarterback, so the value on quarterbacks has just plummeted in one quarterback leagues, especially among analysts. Yeah. So, um, you know, with that, you know, with the exception of weird situations where value falls like that, I won't even 
look at quarterbacks until double-digit double rounds because I can get Philip Rivers in <laughs> round 10, 11, 12, 13. And so, yeah, it's just I like stacking a couple a uh, couple quarterbacks in, in the first double-digit rounds of, of startups and one quarterback leagues because it allows me to fill out my depth with, you know, four or five of wide receivers or running backs and then maybe a tight end. And then I have two quarterbacks that are still Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers. And how does that happen? I, I don't know. People just let good starters go and they're like, nah, I'm going to take a, a sixth-round rookie running back who might beat out someone. And I, that's just not me. But, you know, I, I, I don't really get the, the, the drop um, as far as it has in one quarterback leagues. But with two quarterback leagues, it really depends on who I'm playing with. If I know my crew uh, overvalues the position, I probably have to take somebody. In fact, maybe two at the, you know, at really at the latest, like the three, four turn um, in many cases. But if I know that my league mates undervalue it, I might try to wait to the five-six turn and get a couple right there. Um, if you if you played with many leagues in, with me, you see I kind of I don't always do that, but oftentimes to avoid runs, I'll try to bunch a couple picks together um, and maybe start a run myself so that value of another position that I want drops a little bit further. So uh, I'll try to do that and influence the draft if I can. Makes sense. Which quarterback do you find yourself drafting most often right now, kind of across all your formats? Like, who's your your most owned guy? Uh, my most owned guy in, in all my leagues is actually still Mitchell Trubisky, um, just because of my uh, my overindulgence last year in rookie rookie dress. I, I'm pretty sure I, I had it somewhere. It's kind of what I, I think I had six shares of Mitchell Trubisky last year uh, across all my leagues, because even in two quarterback formats, I found that he was dropping mm-hmm. to pick uh, 18, 19, 20 uh, in Superflex Leagues, 14-team Superflex Leagues, and Mitchell Trubisky dropped to pick 20. And I was like, well, that's the pick. <laughs> it's, like, it's just people didn't want to believe in him. There were a lot of questions. And it was almost like people were angry when he was the second pick instead of Deshaun Watson or instead of Pat Mahomes because they liked him more. And, and people just latched onto their guy and forgot that, oh, yeah, Trubisky would just went second overall. So um, that's been my guy. Is there a guy you wish you could be drafting more often, like someone who you like and, and you're ready to draft like at, at the correct price point, but you feel like he tends to go just a little bit sooner than you're willing to draft him? Uh, Lamar Jackson every single time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> great call. I've had that <laughs> like, same experience yeah. in, in keeper and dynasty type formats. Like yeah. someone's always a little bit higher, even in redraft too. Like I, I want to get yeah. him on a couple rosters, but I'm sorry, I cut you off. Continue on Jackson. What do you got to say about him? <laughs> No, I mean he's if he does anything with his arm arm remotely, he's going to be at least for a couple seasons. He's going to be a lot of fun to own. If 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 nothing else, he's just going to be a lot of fun to own. So I just I I'm trying to time it. I, I want to believe I do believe that he can be a starting cornerback and quarter not cornerback quarterback in, in this league. And so I just don't know. I, I never get right. You know, how my league mates, I, I like to pride myself in, in believing I understand my league mates, and he's the one player I just can never get it right. Is he a, is he a, a pick seven or eight guy? Is he a pick 11 or 12 guy in rookie drafts? Is he, a, you know, round seven or eight quarterback? Is he like, I've seen him go, I don't know, like round five somebody uh, somewhere. Somebody showed me a startup. He wow. went round five. And I'm like, that's not. That's not okay, but <laughs> so it's just all over the place with him. I, I found zero consistent, reliable data 
in how to acquire, even in the trade market, how to acquire Lamar Jackson. Do you have a favorite backup quarterback? Maybe someone you think would benefit from like a shakeup in their depth chart, or maybe somebody who you have like some deep ties through your Debbie experience, like a guy who you've been rooting for for a long time but never quite broke through. Anybody like that? Uh, yeah. So Cody Kessler. <laughs> he was a favorite like, among people last year too. Yeah, and so he actually kind of got kind of got hot there for a second, but uh, yeah, actually way way back to uh, USC. Um, I, I, my wife loves, uh, USC football. I love watching USC wide receivers. They're, they're running backs. They've had a few, you know, they've had a few decent playmakers <laughs> come through. Yeah. I think they've had a, a few. So I, I think dating back to like 2013, 14, 15, I, I wanted to believe that he was going to be a thing. Um, so he was that, that guy that I thought, well, I'm going to be smarter than <laughs> everyone else. This is, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to know more than everyone else. He's, he's going to do it. You know, he had the, the accuracy numbers you want to see his adjusted numbers, his touchdown to interception ratio, everything looked good on paper, but, uh, the, the NFL just didn't agree that he was good enough. Uh, and so I always have had a, a soft spot for, for Kessler. All right. A couple more things before we go. First, Give us a little insight uh, from your Devi work on maybe a college quarterback that we should be starting that we should start to get excited about now uh, for maybe next year or the year after. Who, who's coming down the pipeline? So yeah, there, there next year could be another uh, fun class. A lot of people are really down on next year's class, but I think it's just mainly because they're comparing it to this past year. Sure, uh, and so that's 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 kind of rough. But I think there's some interesting names that are going to have really good seasons. And we're going to realize that ne- this next year's class is a lot better than we're giving it credit for. Uh, I think the hot name right now is uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon. He hasn't played a complete season yet because he's been injured. He's played eight games in back-to-back seasons. But I, I believe he's got the-, the perfect frame and blend of athleticism to get outside the pocket and-, and step up in the pocket, time his throws. I think he does a lot of things well. And if he really puts on a show – and he really puts together a complete season, stays healthy. He's the number one overall pick, maybe second overall pick next year. Because if you just look at him from a metric standpoint, there are a lot of things to get excited about with his uh, adjusted accuracy numbers, which I'm, I'm big on on that. Uh, but I, I value film quite a bit more than uh, many numbers people do. Uh, and I think he does a lot. He needs to get rid of a, uh, rid of a weird hitch in his uh, <laughs> pre-snap motion but uh, besides that, he, he he's just a fun player. But then a couple uh, gunslinging options in Drew Locke and Will Greer, I think, are going to have uh, Heisman-type potential seasons um, this year. Will Greer is really underestimated for West Virginia. Uh, just about made 3,000-yard wide receivers last year. Missed it by just barely, like 20-something yards. That's crazy. Uh, in college, it's insane, yeah. Uh, threw 18 touchdowns. To uh, Drew, um, David, David, you know, David Sills last year, 18 touchdowns his way, had another almost, do- I think it was a dozen to Kevin White's little brother, K-Ron. Uh, and they, they're returning a couple options there to uh, to stack the stats for him. So I think he's going to have a crazy Heisman year, and, and he's got a soft schedule against a bad Big 12. Uh, and then Drew Locke, um, he's got a different o- offensive coordinator now. Um, so that'll be key to see how he adjusts to that. But I think NFL teams, if he does adjust to that and, and shows well, uh, I think people are going to value value that um, quite a bit. And I think all three of those could be first-round picks next year. could be a lot of fun. 
All right, uh, last thing before we go. Say something nice about this episode's other guest, John Bosch. John Bosch, that dude, he is one of the nicest guys ever. And, and not only that, but he's just uh, incredibly patient when it comes to putting leagues together. And, and people will ask the same dumb questions just because they didn't read the bylaws enough or they skipped up and over something. Oh, and that's the worst. He's just, yeah, but, I mean, he's just so unbelievably patient and and is all about the relational side of this game i, I had the opportunity to ma- meet him in person and we enjoyed some nashville hot chicken uh, yeah it was around uh he, i guess he was in town for march madness uh a while back to see uh, xavier and uh, cincinnati disappoint him horribly and uh <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> yeah and it was sorry too much nice but uh yeah he's just a, a great relational guy that makes this community better that's awesome. Yeah, being a commissioner is not easy work. I like that you brought up hot chicken. When uh, Sal <laughs> and I went to Nashville for FSTA a couple of years yeah. ago, he was all about that that spicy fish. Oh, man. And uh, we, man, poor Ben Cummins got a batch that was a little too spicy. <laughs> he had the, he had some yeah. some sweats. Man, that was that was oh, ugly. Man. Poor Ben. Yeah, you got to you got to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey Travis, this was a ton of fun, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Um, Listeners, you can follow Travis on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Now let's get to John. Now I'd like to welcome in John Bosch of the Dynasty Wall Street podcast and Dynasty Game Night. John, it's great to have you on the show, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here, and I cannot wait to talk quarterbacks. Uh, There's a lot of people out there who think that if it were up to me, that quarterback might be the only position we even play in fantasy football. That's uh that's how much I love quarterbacks. They're just the most exciting position to me. So, I love two QBs, two QBs, and everything that you guys do. So happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm actually you're going to be the first guest where I don't ask like the standard boilerplate question right off the bat because we were just talking before we started recording about how you used to play in a double superflex league where you could start three quarterbacks at a time. This is an idea I've been toying with for 2018, and we might have to you know bring this type of league back together and i i I don't know but tell me how that went how how was that like did it work out was it were there too many people complaining like give me the scoop on on a three quarterback league oh no everybody knew going into it uh so so the what caused it to start was my at the time co-owner and still co-owner to this day uh we were in a regular league that we're still in and it's basically you know quarterback two running backs three receivers tight end kicker defense and it was kind of I mean, it's basically whoever gets the best running back combination wins the league pretty much every year. Still is to this day. 25 years later, that's pretty much what wins that league. Um, But we wanted to play with more quarterbacks. We wanted to have fun watching the position that is kind of the most important on the NFL field. So we started up a league where we wanted to play up to three, (laughs) which... uh, I mean, it was it was kind of crazy. I, you know, we actually ranged. It was just redraft, so we ranged between having ten people in the league all the way up to having sixteen people in the wow. league one year. Which, I mean, at that point, basically nobody could get. You couldn't get three starting quarterbacks on your roster, so it it, it kind of came back down actually when we went up to sixteen. The value of quarterback changed because nobody could get a third quarterback, so it got like so expensive that people just didn't even bother trying kind of if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh it kind of the, their value priced themselves out priced themselves out of even having value i guess it, if if that makes any sense but it was fun i mean it was <laughs> we played that league for probably 10 years and uh when i let it go away because i started doing a lot of more difficult leagues 
And, uh, you know, that was the one that got cut, unfortunately. I had several of the owners say, man, how am I supposed to play in these other leagues now where I only get to play like two quarterbacks? I mean, our drafts were crazy. The first the first two rounds, it was basically quarterbacks. I mean, it felt so uncomfortable <laughs> to take to take like, you know, a, a quarterback that's not going to be out, not going to be anywhere near what some of these running backs that you're passing up would be in other leagues. But everybody, everybody just kind of had fun with it and, and bought into it. And it was a quarterback league. I, I still kind of miss it. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm sure that's coming through in my voice a little bit. Hey, if I bring one back, man, you'll, you'll be on the invite list. Uh, and I'll have to watch <laughs> after you because you're the ringer at that point. But, um, Oh, uh, everybody will, everybody will know. You just draft quarterbacks. You just draft them, draft them till they're gone. I mean, even in Scott Fish's King of the Hill League, like the one that I'm in, the Superheroes Division, those are 16 teams, Superflex, yep. and even in those, you're out of the like the the primary starting quarterbacks by the end of the third round. And so I can only yep. imagine if you add that third quarterback spot, what that would do to the strategy. But let's get back on track. Um, what's the biggest quarterback evaluation takeaway that you've gained through your work on the Dynasty Wall Street podcast and Dynasty Game Night? Uh, I would say the biggest thing is that you don't know how other people value things. I mean, every time I get on our podcast and we have a conversation about the value of a player, I'm surprised that, I mean, it's just, to me, I, I kind of think, why doesn't everybody think how I think, <laughs> you know, obviously this is how valuable this guy is, but so I, I've tried to really tell myself, Hey, you never actually know. Somebody might not like a guy that you like, so it doesn't hurt to actually, you know, start a discussion with them to find out and it, it can help you with trading. That's the biggest takeaway that I've gained so far is, is just to never assume that somebody else will value a player the same way that you do. Now, granted, you're going to run into some roadblocks because there, <laughs> there's going to be plenty of times where they value the player more. And at that point, then there's really, you know, not much you can do if you're trying to get the guy. But sometimes it goes the other way and you find out that, hey, they don't like this guy. It's a little bit easier for you to acquire them. Yeah, I want to dig a little bit more into that because, you know, this episode is definitely going to lead more dynasty and we haven't talked a whole lot about trading on this series. So I'm curious, how do you approach trades involving quarterbacks in your dynasty leagues? Because like you said, like the value can be very discrepant from one owner to the next. And it's oftentimes based on team need, right? Like where one team has this, has the quarterbacks and can afford to give one up. But then, you know, if you give one up, then maybe you don't have enough anymore. Like, how do you find that balance uh, to make a trade work in Dynasty? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I mean, quarterbacks, when you're playing in a super flex Dynasty, quarterbacks have a ridiculous amount of value if they're young and if they're good. I mean, even more so than a young wide receiver, uh, I think. I, that's how I rank it. I rank quarterback as the most important if you're playing in anything probably 12-team or above. You know, if you're at a 10-team league, then, uh, you know, quarterbacks, there's probably plenty for everybody to have. Mm -hmm. Two good ones and one marginal one, which is kind of what you want to have on your roster if you're going to be playing two of them a week. But um, so approaching trading, it can be tough. And I I do like to trade. I actually try to approach trading from the aspect of what does this other owner like to do? Mm -hmm. Some owners just prefer to get an offer. And I've started to kind of know which owners would rather just have me open with an offer and they want to just negotiate that way. There's other guys that they actually just want to talk. They want to have a conversation. You can feel them out. They want to feel you out and find out how you value guys. 
trading quarterbacks can be extremely difficult though in a super flex because it is tough. If you do have an extra, and I put that in air quotes because you can never have too many quarterbacks in a super flex league because they are their money. I mean, they're yep. the currency. So I don't know that you can ever have extra, but you know, if you have three and you need a running back, maybe you've already passed your bye weeks and you're going for the championship. That's a lot to risk in a dynasty league, but if you give that third quarterback up, it can bring you back something really valuable to increase your starting lineup because you obviously can't start all three quarterbacks, but it's a lot to give up. So it, it is tough for me when I start to look about trading in a dynasty league when I do have that extra, that third quarterback. Ideally, I like to have at least two that are like really, really kind of cheap that I would feel like, well, at least I can put somebody in if one of my main guys gets hurt. So I like to try and have four. <laughs> I can never have enough. That's uh, I, I that's why I love Superflex because, I mean, my rosters are loaded with quarterbacks in a lot of my leagues. So I'm definitely the type of trader who, like you talked about, I, I want to have the discussion first. I want you to DM me or mm -hmm. send me an email and say, hey, I think maybe we could work out a trade. Here's what I'm thinking, but, you know, tell me what you think. You know, and I, and I like that sort of that conversation because I feel that when that happens first, you don't end up with one person just immediately, you know, spit taking and going, that's a terrible offer, you know? Yeah. Um, now on the other hand, like the people who do just propose me trades, the ones that are the most effective are those types of like challenge trades, right? Where it's like this, this almost looks too good to be true. And <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Like, does yeah. that resonate with you? And, and is that your approach when you are just sending out a blind offer? Like how, how do you do that? Again, it, it, it depends. And I try to, I try to tailor it to owners. Um, there are some owners that I know that if I just send them an offer where I, I don't ever like to be the guy that sends an opening offer because to me, an opening offer means an automatic rejection. Yeah. So I do try. Um, there are some owners where I know I, I better be like on the money. <laughs> I better not even try to get a small discount, which is fine with me. I, I am. I'm okay with trading for fair value. If I'm trying to acquire something, I understand that I'm the one that's operating from the position of need probably. Sure. Um, so I understand that, that I'm, I'm going to have to send an offer that is strong to them. And I, I do still have doubts though. Sometimes when I will send one and it gets accepted without even as much as a message <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe that one was, that one was too much, but I mean, you just as you as you stay in these leagues with the with the same people every year, you start to know who you can who you can kind of say send an offer that might be a little bit less because they they want to negotiate. So if you send no matter what you send them, you're going to get a counter offer. So obviously you don't want to open <laughs> open right with something they're going to take the first time because they're not going to no matter what. I mean, there are some owners that will just automatically reject every single trade. And everything has to be countered to try to get a little bit more. So when you're dealing with that owner, then you have to start slightly lower. Yeah, it makes sense. Let's um let's shift our gears towards just general quarterback strategy here. Yeah. Who do you think is 2018's most overvalued QB? So for me, it's uh it's actually a pair of quarterbacks that were undervalued last year, I think. Uh it's for me it's Wentz and Goff. You know, they went from pretty undervalued to now all of a sudden they've spiked so high. A lot of people really like them and they are young and especially in dynasty, you know, people are looking at these offenses as being the offenses that are going to produce. But I mean, at this point, like Wentz is starting to approach 
the, the costs of the top, top tier. There, I've heard plenty of people say that he's their number one quarterback, which to me is crazy. I mean, he's coming off of an injury, uh, and he's not Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he, plain and simple, is not Aaron Rodgers. So th- to have him even approach that value, to me, is overvalued. And, I mean, that's that's at the extreme top. I, I know that he is extremely valuable, but to me, I'm not paying the price of a, of the second overall quarterback and definitely not paying the price of the best in the league. So I'll, I'll, sh- I'll shy away from him. And Goff, is, Goff swung from really, really low to now extremely high as well. So I can't afford him anymore either. <laughs> yeah, I agree that both of those guys are overrated right now. Um, but I'm curious, how do you factor in age because when we're talking about dynasty we're talking about potentially keeping these guys for the entire length of their career and like Aaron Rodgers you know this year should be the best quarterback he's you know got that profile we believe in him like that but he's a little bit older I mean are you still putting Rodgers number one in your dynasty rankings at quarterback or does youth for someone else like put that player above Rodgers how does that work for you how to how do you resolve age yeah for me it's it's still Rodgers um I still want him as my number one guy. Age is definitely a factor. I mean, don't get me wrong. When you're talking dynasty, age is a factor. That's why Tom Brady's not all the way up near the top, you know, in a dynasty quarterback ranking. He's great, (laughs) but there's always that question of, is this the last year? So yeah, you have to factor in age, but I I don't factor it in to the point where I believe that I'm going to get a guy for 10 years. I, I don't think anybody on any one of my rosters will be on any one on that same roster 10 years from now. So I, people do love that dream of I'm going to have this guy for 10 years. And that, that does sound great to lock in a guy and have him as your starter for 10 years. But I mean, guys get hurt, guys get traded, situations change. They get, they uh, sign as free agents elsewhere. They get new coaches. So much changes that I think looking beyond like, I don't know, maybe four, five years for a quarterback that seems to me four or five years feels like a pretty good spot. If I have a guy that I think is going to be locked and loaded in my starting lineup for that long, I feel okay. And I, I don't think Rogers is going anywhere in the next few years. And I think that uncertainty you're talking about among quarterbacks is one of the number one reasons that hoarding the position in, you know, a super flex dynasty or a two QB dynasty can really pay off because even if you have that one guy who kind of falls out of grace, you can have someone else just as easily like come into a good situation. Like, I don't know, Kirk Cousins getting traded to Minnesota. You might view that as like a big boost to his value or, you know, Jared Goff getting Sean McVay, right? Like th- this stuff kind of pops up out of nowhere, but you don't know exactly when and where it's going to happen in terms of player and team. So the more guys you have at the position, the more bites you have from that apple, the more potentially you're setting yourself up to get, you know, elite producers at the position that scores the most points, right? Yeah, and I am I'm a major stockpiler. I have I have one league where I we did the rookie draft this year and my team last year was not great. I was going to end up in the middle, so I made some ill-advised moves to try and move up, which I shouldn't have done, but so I ended up with not a great team and I had a, I ended up with a lot of draft picks after I traded away a lot of the players then. So this year in the in the dynasty rookie draft I took all the rookie quarterbacks. I took them all, except for Josh Allen. <laughs> I, I passed on him. But I took the big four, and then I, I actually even took Mason Rudolph and Kyle Loletta, too, because at some point in this super flex league, there are going to people be people that come looking for quarterbacks. I paid up for them, and I, I have told everybody that's inquired, go look at what I paid for. 
start there with your offer. You know, mm-hmm. I, they might if they die on my roster, that's fine. But then I'm going to have, you know, four or five quarterbacks that hopefully are usable and I can just play the percentages. And eventually, I guess I would have to maybe maybe take the hit and take a loss. But I don't know. that I don't think that's going to happen with with these with these rookie quarterbacks. I, I feel pretty good about them. Who do you think is 2018's most undervalued quarterback? Uh, for me, I mean, it's it's Eli Manning for all the reasons that everybody has said on the previous episodes. So I'll let people go back and listen to those because totally agree that it's Eli Manning, that he should have a much better year. Uh, but the quarterback that I'll, I'll point out is it's the guy that I love. And man, some people just hate him. It's Blake Bortles. <laughs> I love him. I absolutely love Blake Bortles. I don't pretend to be a scout. I don't really care. If he has bad mechanics, I don't really care about any of that. That doesn't matter to me. The only thing that matters to me is how he performs from a fantasy perspective. And every year he outperforms where he's being taken. I mean, right now he's he's like the mid 20s, I think, for probably redraft and mm-hmm. dynasty, if not late 20s. Hopefully he's at least mid 20s, but he's not going to finish outside of a quarterback, too. I mean, he's he's just not. He He hasn't. He continuously outperforms his ADP, so he's a guy that I have sitting on lots of my rosters, and do I think that maybe he'll lose his job in two years because they might realize they want to draft somebody else that can play the quarterback position better? Maybe, but until then, I'm going to take, keep taking the points that he puts up every single week. I mean, they don't have anybody on that roster that's going to challenge him, so I feel a lot more comfortable with him than somebody like Flacco, um, who's, you know usable until he's not. And they bring in Lamar Jackson, Um, you know, Bradford out in Arizona. Again, he's usable until they bring in Rosen Bortles. Bortles is plenty good all year. Like he's not getting taken out of that lineup this year. As far as I can tell. Yep. Job security definitely matters. Who's the toughest quarterback for you to evaluate right now? Uh, so, uh, Taglieri took my original answer when I, uh, when I listened to that po- <laughs> the podcast, uh, he, he said Andrew Luck, which I, I completely agree with. Like he terrifies me. Um, he could literally be the best quarterback in dynasty value at the end of this year, or he could have no value. So he is tough for me to evaluate. It scares me, but again, go back and listen to why Taglieri was afraid of him. Cause <laughs> he had all, he had all the right reasons. Um, the the another quarterback that I'm struggling with how to value is Tyrod Taylor. Hmm. I mean, I really, I think he is going to play. And I, I heard your discussion about how long you don't you think he's going to be gone a little bit sooner than later. I think he plays until until the Browns are you know out of it or if he gets hurt. But he doesn't seem to get hurt very often. So, and even if he gets cut, he could end up on a roster next year somewhere. So for me, I I really. I kind of want to invest in Tyrod Taylor, but there's always that there's that, you know, little voice in the back of your head saying he's going to be gone after week one or two because it's the Browns and they just don't understand keeping a guy doing the same task at all. Like that Hugh Jackson likes to change it up and just I so so that's why I'm struggling with Tyrod. I, I I think you probably said earlier that you right you said the other day that you thought Tyrod would be gone a little bit earlier than most people think. Yeah, I'm I'm just playing the percentages there. Like if you look back at history, recent history of quarterbacks who were drafted first overall, like Baker Mayfield, they play a lot of games in year one. I think the average is something like 13. It's like over 13 games per season 
in their first year when they're drafted first overall. And guys drafted in the top 10, I think, play an average of 12-plus games in their first season. So I'm just, you know, doing what the historical trends tell me there and assuming that, you know, Mayfield is going to get in there more quickly than people would realize. But but I do agree with you that Tyrod doesn't necessarily, like, lack value, and especially in Dynasty, because like you said, even if he doesn't finish this year as the Browns starter, he could end up on a different team next year and be right back in a starting role. That could happen. I mean, th- th- you could make the same argument for Teddy Bridgewater as well. Yeah, Dynasty kind of changes the whole perspective on all these guys, but from a redraft perspective, I'm with you. The, the uncertainty around Tyrod and the uncertainty around Mayfield are really tough, one of those guys is going to turn out to be a huge value for redraft, like whichever one yep. of them starts more consistently. It's just really hard to know which one it is. And I'll just bank on the draft capital argument in this case. I don't always bank on it, but um, you know, in this case I will because, yeah, number one overall picks at the quarterback position tend to play and play a lot in year one. What's the typical price point at which you start considering drafting your QBs? Uh, and let's talk let's, – let's keep it dynasty-centric, but – how about in a startup? Like, uh, and how about in a one quarterback startup? Where are you at in that sort of scenario? So for a one quarterback uh, dynasty startup, I, I'll wait forever. <laughs> like, I, I will be the last person to invest in a quarterback. I, I will literally not take one. Um, I mean, even if for some reason Aaron Rodgers were to fall, you know, whatever to the I don't even know what his I don't even know what his startup ADP is. Where wonder what round he's going. And I don't do a lot of drafts. I do mostly auctions. <laughs> so not quite sure. But I think he, he probably goes in what, like the third round, fourth round, it looks like. Even if he were there like in the fifth, I would pass on him. I, I single quarterback, I don't invest anything in a quarterback because there's no reason to. So in an auction, are you looking to just pay one buck for your QB? Is that your plan? Yeah. If I can get a guy for a dollar, I would. And in an auction, I would definitely... I would nominate like a low tier quarterback early on to see if I can get him to go through for a dollar. If somebody jumps me to $2, well, then the next day I'll, I'll nominate another one. I mean, that's the perfect scenario where I would nominate a Blake Bortles for a dollar. I'd even, I mean, I would nominate an Eli Manning even or a Flacco. And if I can get one of them for a dollar, that fills that position for me in a, in a way that I'm comfortable. And that allows me to spend a whole lot more money in elsewhere, you know? While mm-hmm. other people are going to put down, I don't know, maybe five or ten percent on a on the same position, I'm okay putting just one dollar down and saying, "All right, I don't have the greatest quarterback, but now I can overspend at running back. I can overspend at wide receiver. The positions where I feel like I need to get, uh, you know, more players that are going to be performing. Single quarterback, I, I just I don't see the I don't see the advantage to really investing. I know that Rogers outscores people at a rate that is exceptional but even that the the investment doesn't feel like the return on the investment doesn't feel worth it to me because if he goes down then you're gonna be playing one of these guys anyways opportunity cost man the one dollar bob the price is right um so how about in two quarterback leagues uh where do you start to dive in in a startup and and you and let's frame it both ways again let's talk about where you would draft a quarterback in a, a snake draft, but then what's the price point at which you're looking to pay for an auction? So total 180 <laughs> uh, in a super flex or two, two QB startup. Uh, I will invest early and often in quarterback. Basically the, the beginning of the first round, I'm probably going to shy away from a quarterback at that point. I probably would want one of these stud running backs right now, just because of the value that they are going to get you in return. 
or one of, you know, one of a very select few wide receivers. But at the end of the first round, I mean, if I'm sitting there at pick nine or pick 10, I might can start, I might start thinking about Rogers actually in a super flex right there. I don't, I don't think he would probably be there because there's probably going to be people that jump even earlier, which is fine. If I'm, if I am early on, if I am the fourth or fifth pick, I'm actually looking to trade to the end of it because I'm going to be happy taking a quarterback, you know, in the second round and then in the third round. I am happy to do that in a super flex startup. There I do want to come strong and, a lot of times if you do that, it, it raises the value across the league. There will always be one or two people that kind of want to go against the trend and they just want to stockpile the running backs and wide receivers. But then they spend the next couple of years trying to pick up quarterback or they're bouncing from Case Keenum to Nick Foles. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to do just the fill in, which to me isn't worth, is not worth the actual amount that you're going to get out of it. So. I will go early in that. And if it's an auction, if it's an auction, I come out the, come out of the gate swinging. I mean, I really like one of the moves that I do a lot right now. It, it's 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 starting to work less because people are starting to realize that I'm doing it. But I will come out and I'll just like put a huge bid on a guy. If Rogers goes up, I'll I'll bump him over twenty percent immediately because I'm okay actually paying like twenty five percent of my budget for him, which sounds crazy. Uh, but if I can come out early and bump him to like 22% before anybody else has even broken 10%, a lot of times he's going to squeak through. Uh, but what happens is then as the auctions go on, all those other quarterbacks that were at 10, you know, the next day they're at 12 and they're at 15 and they're at 16 and they, they eventually get up there. I mean, the elite quarterbacks go for that in a super flex. So. I am comfortable paying it. I, I like to invest in quarterback when it comes to super flex. So if you're not getting Rodgers, which guys are you targeting? Are you just going after, you know, the the Brady's, the Wilson's, the Cam Newton's, the Drew Brees, or are you just skew younger? Like which other guys are you really willing to pay up for? Uh it depends on it depends on how my initial <laughs> my initial attack goes. If I can get one of the elite quarterbacks, if I can get like uh you know, Cam, someone in that range. I still have Cam up pretty high. Me too. If I can get him or, you know, then I'm going to try and pair him with somebody like a, like a Bortles, somebody on the lower tier that I still feel really comfortable with. But if I, if I, if I end up (laughs) getting other people to spend even more than what I feel comfortable spending, which is always fun, then I tend to drop down. And then I look at that tier of like Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford. Those, that's a quarterback pair that I probably have, on more super flex teams than any other like pairing. I have them across a lot of leagues. They, they end up being a lot more palatable <laughs> cost wise mm-hmm. and production wise. They do just fine for me. So I try to swing hard. I try to get that elite guy and then pair him with somebody on, you know, the back end of the QB two range. But if I can't, if I swing and miss early, then I pretty much immediately shift to try and get the middle guys before the middle guy's price starts to get outrageous. As the Superflex auctions go on, the quarterback price just, it, it doesn't seem to drop because the the limited assets yeah. just get, they start shrinking. So people that don't have them have to just start paying to get them. And it's weird that in an auction, quarterbacks go that way because other positions start to seem to get cheaper. Quarterbacks, I at least in the leagues that I play in, I have not seen quarterbacks uh, following that same pattern 
because what happens is you, you have to get them, and people realize it. If they miss early, then they just have to pay to get the next tier, and they miss on that tier, then they have to pay to get the next tier. So it's it's a cycle I try to avoid if I can get them early and be done. Yeah, no, I'm in a long-running Superflex auction. It's it's not a Dynasty League, but it's a Keeper League, and there usually aren't that many quarterbacks kept because what happens in the auction is exactly what you're describing. The first guys who get nominated are typically the elite guys, and they go for a lot. And, you know, most people don't want to pay that much, but there will be the two people who get in the arms race for Rodgers. And then, you know, the person who loses out on Rodgers gets in an arm race with somebody else for Tom Brady. And, like, that continues to happen. And then you start to see that scarcity factor in, like you are talking about, where... I find that the perfect place to get one typically is kind of in the middle, but you want it to be a guy who's nominated from a lower tier. You want Mm -hmm. to go after the Bortles or the Derek Carr when he gets thrown out while Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford and Ben Roethlisberger are still available and Carson Wentz or something like that, you know? So where the people bidding, they look at Derek Carr's name like on the bidding screen and but then they look at who else is available at QB, they see these better guys and they're like, well, I don't have to bid on Derek Carr or Blake Bortles. Because uh, there are all these other better options that are going to be available for me. And so you get those those lower tier guys at a discount. And then when those quote unquote better quarterbacks do come up for bid, the price gets driven up because there's even fewer assets available at the position. It's really fascinating stuff. I love a, a two quarterback auction. I, I mean, I could talk about this for a while. I usually don't talk <laughs> that, this much on the series, man. You, you got me going. Um, oh, I could I can go on auctions forever. I, I love them. They're, they're thrilling. And, and when you put quarterbacks in there, it's a super flex quarterback. It's it's amazing. The the first like it's real the auction that I did was pigs, and that was with Scott Fish, and uh, he and I and I think it was Carl Safchek got into a bidding war over three quarterbacks. And if we all just wanted one of them, <laughs> it would have been just fine. They each already had one. I had no quarterbacks, so I was trying to get two while each of them was trying to get one. So. I mean, it was, it was, um, trying to think it was, I think it was Carr, Mariota, and, uh, Cam. And, or maybe it was Russell Wilson. It was three of those four. And basically, I'd go in, I'd bid on two of the guys, and then whoever I'd bid off would bid off the other guy, and then he'd come back and bid me off. And it was just, it was a cycle that went on for so many days. It was so frustrating, and it taught me the lesson of don't wait. <laughs> <laughs> don't let yourself get caught up in one of those cycles, because it's vicious. It is so vicious. And you don't have money to spend elsewhere then. And then if you end up not getting the guy, you're in big trouble. So spend early and get them or move on quickly. Yeah, slow auctions are a completely different beast because, yeah, like you said, you put in those bids and then that money's tied up and you can't use it otherwise. Like most of the auctions I've done, it's just like one player at a time. You you, you know, that player gets bought and then it's on to Uh the next guy. So it's a completely different story when you're talking about a slow auction. That's, I mean, we might have to... uh, Put that onto a second show to, to really go deep on. A um, couple more questions for you, John. Which quarterback yeah. do you find yourself drafting kind of the most often across all your leagues? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the ones that I've kind of mentioned already. It's it's the Mats and it's Bortles. Okay. Um, I end up not going super heavy invested early. Yep. And uh, is there a quarterback that you wish you could draft more often, like a guy you feel like you're just missing out on barely every time? Right now it's Mariota. Uh, everything I've done with him – he always seems to go just a little bit before I want to go for him. And every time at the end of it, I go, 
I kind of wish I would have just reached one more round, you know, or not thought he was going to fall one more round to me or paid the extra $10 for him. Mm -hmm. So it's Mariota. Yeah. And that's the beauty of auction, right? Is that you're not slave to your pick order. You actually can spend up to get two guys who essentially have the same ADP in a snake draft. Um, Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Do you have a favorite backup quarterback? Someone you think would benefit from a change of scenery or some sort of depth charts shakeup? Uh, right now, I mean, because I focus mostly on Dynasty, my favorite backup quarterback is Mason Rudolph. I mean, obviously, like the, the rookies that are, have a starting position lined up, mm-hmm. they're great. That's, you know, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, foregone conclusion they're, for Darnold and Mayfield and all those guys. Yeah. yeah. They're expensive. Mason Rudolph, you can get a little bit cheaper. Um, so I've been trying to kind of get him on some teams. Roethlisberger, you know, he gets banged up a lot. He constantly talks about what he might do next. He's a drama queen. Maybe Pittsburgh will just get tired of him and move him on. Uh, so Mason Rudolph, I don't know that he, I, I don't really like the talent as much as I like the fact that he could have some really good weapons. And if something happens to Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph slides in this year, I mean, that's that's a value that's going to increase immediately to more than what I paid for him. Yeah, makes sense. Do you have any other thoughts on analyzing QBs or draft strategy for the position that you want to impart to the listeners before we go? Um, the, the one quick thing, you know, we talked about having a discussion with an owner one-on-one, mm-hmm. which is always important. If you're in a league chat, the first thing I try and do when I'm in a super flex league chat is try and gauge how the room values quarterbacks. You know, if I can ask a question of, hey, who, you know, out of these five quarterbacks, who do you think's the best one? You know, oh, where do you think you do you think he's being undervalued in drafts or something? You know, anything that gets me any information, because a lot of people in these chats, they like to talk about football. (laughs) We like to talk about fantasy football. None of us shut up. So uh, plenty of information will be given away. And if you can figure out if your if your league doesn't quite value quarterback in the same way that you are, that's going to give you an advantage when it comes time to auction or draft. You know, usually the chats start before the startup begins. So I always try to try to gauge that as fast as I can and try and get a grasp on how the league is going to value quarterback in super flex leagues. Good stuff. Uh, last thing before we go, say something nice about this episode's other guests. You have to say something nice, John, about Travis May. I can actually say a lot of nice things about Travis. He's, he really is one of my favorite people in the fantasy community. I'm not joking. Like he's one of my go-to guys when I want to ask about a player he's very personable and he's going to get back to you. He's, he's, he's going to be there to answer, which is awesome. Plus his, his, his knowledge is spot on. I mean, the man works hard. He spends way more time than he probably should on fantasy football right now, but I think he's, I think he's going places with it. So to, to me, you know, Travis is a hardworking guy that I really appreciate. Not to mention, uh, we went, we met for, we met for uh, lunch one day in Nashville. So, he gave, he gave a great tip on where to eat lunch, and then we got to eat lunch together. So I got lots of good things I could say about Travis. Spicy chicken, spicy fish? Yeah, it was spicy chicken, spicy fish. It was Bolton's spicy chicken and spicy fish. So good. Yep. Uh, Sal and I went there with Ben Cummins when we were in Nashville for FSTA oh, yeah? a couple years ago. And I, I, I'm going to retell this story. I told it to... Uh, the listeners when I was talking to Travis because he brought this up too so I might cut this out but um, <laughs> yeah Ben was sweating man he asked for he asked for medium or something like that and the people behind I got, the, I got the hottest oh it was so good the people behind the counter like looked at Ben and said nah you want mild uh, and and he was like no I can handle it. like give me the next the next step up and they destroyed him it was 
amazing. Props to Ben. He he took a he took it like a champ though. Yeah, I got I got the hottest chicken and my dad got the hottest fish and we loved them. I mean, like literally, we went back and ate there the next day. <laughs> Again, we were planning on going to Hattie B's the second day we were there. Because, you know, you have to go to Hattie B's. Yep. Uh, and we got there, and the line was, like, forever long, and we were like, never mind. Let's go right back to where we went yesterday. And, and we did, and it was delicious again. Good deal, man. Well, hey, John, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. It's been great having you, man. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That does it for today's two-a-day podcast. Please take the time to rate and review and subscribe to the show, The 2QB Experience. Be sure to follow Travis May on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M, as well as John Bosch at Empire FFL. Check out the show description for links to their work and the other things that we talked about on this episode, and head over to 2QBs.com to pick up your copy of our 2018 2QB and Superflex Draft Guide. You can follow the site on Twitter at 2QBs. You can follow me at Greg Sauce. Whether you're tweeting at the site, emailing us at 2QBs at gmail.com, or typing the URL, Spell out two QBs with letters, T-W-O-Q-B-S. Otherwise, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Adios. Adios.